Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read a collected volume of manga, as well as everything on Visit Shonen Jump website. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this week you will probably notice a difference in the audio, because we are recording remotely for the first time, thanks to everybody's favorite COVID-13. COVID-19. Why did I say 13? I don't know. Why, why do I mess up the basic stuff, Kevin? This week we led Flame of Recca, Volume 3. It has nothing to do with the crisis, which is nice. Yeah. And it's also kind of nice that we are able to at least do this, even though the audio quality will definitely take a hit. Yeah, especially since we're both on headset microphones, I think. I could have gone down to my setup in the, the basement, but the internet is not good there. Yeah, and I'm on a headset mic because I don't own a mixer. Yeah. So we'll see. Next week I might try the mixer, because I assume we will be at least doing this for a couple more weeks. So hopefully it doesn't sound too terrible. Yeah. But let's get into Shonen Jump, starting with Demon Slayer, Chapter 200, The Price of Victory. What did you think of Demon Slayer this week, Kevin? I really liked Demon Slayer this week. Yes, it had. it's definitely got a bit of a bittersweet note with a bunch of the Hashira kind of basically dying. Yeah, or giving their kind of dying speeches. Yeah, I think the Rock Hashira literally dies. Yeah, I believe we're supposed to take that for the Love and Snake Hashira, too. They were a lot less certain. Yeah, it's true. They did not, like, have... They did not see their dead relatives slash friends. Yeah, plus the, the Rock Hashira had some people that were trying to help him, and then both of them just kind of had this dejected look of, oh no, he's passed. Because he was even yeah. telling them, don't bother trying to heal me, save the others, like, I'm literally dead. Yeah, and we had a similar thing with the violent Hashira, whose name I cannot remember. I just know he's the violent one. The Wind Hashira. The Wind Hashira. But his, like, family is like, no, you, it's not your time yet, basically. It's portrayed much more violently. Yeah, it was his dad specifically that was like, no, you're not, because he was like, oh, mom, where are you going? She's like, well, I can't go to heaven with you or with you guys because I killed my children. And he's like, don't worry, mom, I'll carry you to hell on my back. And then his dad steps in and is like, nope, you're not done yet. Yeah. Also, I love Zenitsu is like, oh, please tell my wife, Nezuko, that I died thinking of her. And it was very brave. It's like, well, you're not dead, and she's not your wife. Yes, I, I did really like that. I also like that they're trying to treat Inosuke, and he's, like, attacking them in his sleep, essentially. Like, he's unconscious yeah. and biting them. Because I'm like, ah, well, I guess the boar is alive. Yeah, and it ends with Nezuko showing up. Sadly, she does not get to kick anyone, and Tanjiro appears to be dead. Yes. This isn't the first time we've seen Tanjiro appearing to be dead, so jury's kind of still out, since that's the cliffhanger it leaves on. Though it would kind of surprise me for them to leave him alive after that. Yeah, so they it really seems like, because it's... I forget, oh, it's uh, Gyu talking, like, he rushes over to Tanjiro and sees that he's alive, and he's like, I'm sorry, Nezuko, I'm never able to save anybody, they're always saving me. Yeah. So yeah, I also quite enjoyed it. It's kind of, I don't want to say an easy chapter, but it is a Fallout chapter, but it has, you know, some character deaths in it that I thought were pretty well handled, and there are enough questions that I'll be excited to read the next chapter. I assume yeah. the next chapter might be entirely devoted to Tanjiro, like, starting to go to the afterlife, whether it finishes or not. Totally possible. That brings us to My Hero Academia, number 266, Happy Life. What did you think of My Hero this week, Kevin? This was a really good My Hero, too. I really like the whole twice managing to kind of 
escape from Hawks. Then there's the whole thing with Dobby knowing who who Hawks' real name is, or what Hawks' yeah. real name is. So there's a lot I really liked about the My Hero chapter. There's also a lot I kind of thought was a mess, and I think some of that is intentional with the Dobby fight scene stuff. But there's a lot of stuff that's unclear to me. Like, the way it ended, I'm pretty sure Twice is dead, but I'm not sure. And, like, you didn't seem to indicate that when you were talking. I He might be dead. I got that impression as well. There's definitely, it's either a clone of his or his, he, like, uses his quirk too much. And he's literally, like, decomposing because he's starting to, like, melt in, not Tomura. Toga. Toga's arms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I took that as he was dying in, like, the chaos, and he made a double of himself because he was desperate to go save Toga and to apologize. And that was how he was able to overcome his, like, limit. But it did result in his death. That was how I read it. But again, it's so confusing and muddled, and that really hurt the chapter, in my opinion. Because there was a lot of it I felt was that way. Although I did really like the Twice stuff and the Dobby and Hawk stuff. I will agree with you there. It's super good. I would just really... I think it'll play much better in animation. I'd don't like treating the manga like it's a dry run for the anime, but in many ways, especially with My Hero, which is an anime that made me get really into manga again. It's hard not to see it that way sometimes. Yeah. It really hurt what could have been a great chapter overall, in my opinion, although it was still very good. Usually I say this at the top, but I thought it was a pretty meh issue of Shonen Jump this week, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like we just talked about, there's one other one I really liked, but we talked about the two most notable already, and they were the first two in. And I felt like it was kind of downhill from here. And like, when I read My Hero, like I said, I thought it was kind of a mess, both really good emotions, but it still ended up ranking quite high just because nothing I thought was super notable here. I think some of the stuff that's been at the top for a while stayed up at the top, but I can see what you were saying for a lot of the other stuff. It's just kind of like, all right, cool. The series that are ending are still going pretty well, and I'm enjoying those, but I do agree for the most part. It was just kind of like, all right, cool. We're here now. Yeah, it's usually you talk about how you have a real hard time ranking the top stuff. And like there wasn't a standout chapter this week, in my opinion, in anything. Having no One Piece or Samurai 8, I think, really hurt it. But just in general, even the chapters that have been really good, like I said, I feel like we're not as good as they usually are. They're just kind of riding the momentum. And every series is going to have that way. It's the nature of judging these chapter by chapter when a chapter is just a small unit of story. I just thought almost everything was on a downturn this week. Anything else you wanted to say about My Hero? No. That will bring us to the Promised Neverland chapter 173, Prisoners. Which isn't a chapter I disliked and when I just talked about all that, but again, it was a kind of a downturn in the story where we get a bunch of Peter Retiri's backstory, basically. Yeah, but we do get a little bit of hint of what's going to continue on where, so it's mostly Peter Retiri's backstory. And then he basically kills himself being like, Hey, tell my uncle or give my uncle this last message. And so it's like, wait, you're, you still have an uncle who's alive. Like I thought you were the head of the Retiri clan. So clearly well, he there's... could be the head and have an uncle. Still, yes, he could. Depending on how succession works. He just, he made it sound like the uncle was like the secret head. I didn't get that feeling, but I can see where you're coming from there. Him killing himself is the cliffhanger and it is a gore discretion shot. So there's a possibility he survives. Although I think it's just a gore discretion shot for artistic state. Yeah. I just always like to bring up that. They're not dead unless there's a body in my opinion. Yes. And it could have, because there is a spray of blood and it could have been like Emma jumping in and catching the knife with her hand or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Something like that. 
Or it could just, like I said, be a gorgeous aggression shot, which is, I think, what we're supposed to read it as, but we won't know for sure until next week. Yep. Anything else on The Promised Neverland, Kevin? No. All right, that will bring us to Dr. Stone, Z equals 145, Bar Francois. I have no idea how to say that character's name. I think you do Francois, which sounds pretty good. I think it's Francois. What did you think of Dr. Stone this week, Kevin? I was just kind of regular Dr. Stone. Like, not bad, not great. Kind of some interesting stuff going on. Like, I did like the, hey, let's make everybody their own special virgin cocktail drinks. Yeah, I like it's a fun idea. I had not like a huge problem with it, but I really thought that like, man, if I was more into Japanese culture or if I was raised in Japanese culture, I bet these drinks would feel like they were saying something about these characters personalities. But I really didn't get that feeling. And it was like it was fun fluff, but it didn't really do anything for me, even though I like these characters. Yeah, but like, again, it was just kind of the like most of the time for me, Dr. Stone is middle of the road, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So. It's just kind of, oh, all right, well, we'll just do it that way, I guess. I just, saying a waste of time seems unfair, because there were some fun character bits, but, like, there wasn't anything that made me go, oh, that was super worth it, the way, like, every chapter of We Never Learn is that way. Yeah. And I didn't hate it, it's not like, oh, Dr. Stone really sucked this week, but I also found it very underwhelming, like, in tone with most of Jump this week. Yep. Anything else you want to say about Dr. Stone? I really, I don't mean to be so down on it. I just don't think there's much to say. No, same thing. That will bring us to Guardian of the Witch number nine, Drake's Training. What did you think of Guardian of the Witch, Kevin, since you're more of a fan of that than me? I'm still liking it. Like, I still like this character. I like how he's kind of not tricking Fafnir into working with Manasva, but being like, hey, you idiot, you have to work with her magic. Like, that's what the... And he realizes that's what the two they were fighting earlier did, was they like combined the Guardian with the Witch's magic to make both of them more powerful. So I did kind of like the, hey, I've got these like super cool seeds, and we're going to basically trick you into learning how to be a better Guardian. Yeah, I did like the bit of world building there, the seeds and like the Guardians using magic stuff. It seems weird that he wouldn't have heard of that, but I guess like it's already been established with the fight before, kind of why he wouldn't. Yeah, it's just kind of, I think the reason that he really hasn't heard it is he's been on some, like, rinky-dink border outpost. So they it was basically like, we're not going to bother teaching him, really, because, like, nothing is really important out there. So, like, who cares really what yeah. happens to it? Like, oh yeah, the witch can just handle everything by herself. Like I said, when they said they hinted before, it makes a degree of sense. Yep. The heart-to-heart the two characters have in there. I like this one a lot more than I've been liking it the past couple weeks, for sure. Even though, like, I mean, this arc isn't doing much for me, but, you know, I just have to accept that's what the arc is. And as a chapter, especially in a week of Shonen Jump, I thought was pretty meh. I don't think it did anything wrong. And like I said, I like the world building. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, even though it is kind of cliched training thing. I was like, it's still cool. So I'm at least having fun reading it. That will bring us to Act Age Scene 107, After Party. What did you think of Act Age this week, Kevin? I'm a little conflicted on Act Age because I really like the after party thing going on, but I... But you wish you saw the play one more time? Kind of. I kind of wish they would have just addressed... I mean, I guess they kind of did address that they're still basically waiting on the results with the little thing with the girl at the end. So, like, part of me is like, 
I actually, I don't know that I wanted to see the play one more time. Like, that's what really has me conflicted, is... Yeah. I don't know if this was perfectly acceptable. They could, like, we don't need to see them do the play one more time. We'll just have the, like, the results kind of give you what the play did. Because, like, we didn't need a cu- another couple of chapters of them doing the play. So, like, skipping right to the after party is probably fine. But I'm still iffy on if that's actually how I feel, or if I'm just being, like trying to rationalize what the chapter's doing. It is how I feel. I, when I said that, I was just like, oh, I bet Kevin will be kind of upset at the pacing here, just because you tend to want a lot more details in all cases. And that was like the first thing I thought when I saw they were skipping that was like, oh, Kevin isn't going to be super thrilled about this. Although you seem conflicted on it, so maybe my prediction isn't quite spot on. Yeah, like, I, again, I do understand it, and yes, I am more of the, I like the details of a lot of things, but I do understand that it's like, I don't need to see every instance of the play. Like, I do understand that at some level, so I definitely did enjoy the silly hijinks of them being like, alright, whoever does the best Ogami Prussian wins, with Ogami just being there like, nobody can impersonate me, what are you guys doing? I found most of the chapter kind of mad, but then I thought it really picked up in the back half with the little girl who saw both of them, like, clearly very conflicted on who she wants to vote for. Yep. And that bit you were talking about when Kay is like, yeah, his, his charm is no one can impersonate him. But then Chio goes for it and Kay and Chio are just like the rivalry card gets activated. Yes. That's like my favorite bit of Act Age is that. And we don't always talk about these, but there was a character popularity poll result at the beginning of this and Chio won by a landslide. Which makes yeah. all the sense of the world to me. Yes, it does. I did like, I did really like the bit with the little girl where she's like, I'm just so conflicted on like, who do I vote for? And then she just happens to be at the same place and see like, oh my God, it's them. Like that, they're the actors. They're right there. And she's just amazed to see them like being regular people. I mean, they're being, they're having an acting competition in the middle of their dinner. But like for her, it's like, oh my God, it's, it's the Princess Iron fans. Yeah. So I ended up quite liking the chapter. I actually like the beginning, too, which is some, like, people talking about how they want to get Yunagi to act for them and some talent scout stuff. Yes. It was just the middle and the actual dinner that left me kind of cold. But by the end, I was pretty into it. Anything else you wanted to say about Akage, Kevin? I really liked it, too. That will lead us to uh, We Never Learn X equals 153, Thumbelina Supercomputer Part 3. It's Furuhashi. She gets to be in this chapter. Yeah. In a cute swimsuit. So that's bonus points for me. Yes. Because they're doing Bichudon. That's a thing, right? Yeah. I I know Beach Ramen is, so I don't see why Beach Udon wouldn't be. Wouldn't be? That makes sense. I just can't imagine wanting ramen on the beach. I can. It's like one of those weird things of like, I enjoy ice cream in the middle of winter, even when it's super cold. So it's like, I could see... I do that too. I guess I associate... If I'm at the beach, I'm there to swim, and I don't want something heavy if I'm going to swim, as I think, as much as it is the hot weather thing. Totally possible. But anyway, they're doing beach udon, and the ghost keeps cock-blocking. Why can't I think of Ogata's name? Because she's Ogata. I don't know where you're going with that, because you said her name. Yes, I did. I, I realized it as I was saying it. Okay. I, was, I couldn't think of the name until I was like, I can't think of her name, and then it came to me, because that's often how my brain works. Yeah, well, it's not, she's, like, she is cock-blocking, but I like the first instance of, so some dude is just trying to hit on Ogata, because she's serving in a swimsuit. Uh Uh-huh. And, 
Rizu, her dad, and the ghost girl show up in the photo that the guy's trying to, like, ah, can I take a photo of you? And he's just like, ah, and runs away screaming. And I like Narayuki being like, yeah, they look scarier than the ghost. Yep, that was really good. I really enjoyed the flashback to the, like, the explanation of the game that they're playing, where essentially Ogata's like, alright, we're gonna play a game where I'm going to like the conditions are we if we fall in love then I win and if we don't then I won't be in love with you as like this weird thing where she's like no we can totally make it happen and Naruki is at first kind of like no what what are you talking about and eventually she gets him into it so that's the the game that they're playing yeah I quite like that as well and it's in reference to the fireworks thing since we know that in this version of the story She was the one who helped him up. Yeah. And she's like, hey, I want to prove that's real. So let's make it a game. Yes. That that was very good. Super cute. And then I also like that. So she wants to go hang out with, hang out at Bunny Ears Rock with Naruto. Because it's romantic. Because it's romantic. And it's not that he's quite dismissive of her, but he's like surprised at first. And then he has to go run off and do orders and stuff like that. So she thinks he just totally blows her off. She goes out to the rock by herself, and she's kind of like, I don't even know why I came here. And then Nariki is like, I've been waiting for like five minutes for you. Like, you're late. And she's... And the ghost girl has to go with her because of the rules of the ghost girl, so she is also there. Yes. Being a peanut gallery where Ogata sulks and can't see her. Yes. It's very good. Yeah, and it ends, of course, with high tide, so they can't escape the rock. Yes. Because it's Sweet Never Learn, and it's cute. I liked it. Like I kind of predicted, I'm not as into the Ogata story, but it's still pretty good. And I love the ghost girl twist. Like, that's my favorite bit yep. of the current story. Yeah, so she's great. I'm I'm really liking it. I'm really liking this arc. All right. Anything else you wanted to say about We Never Learn? Nope. All right. That will bring us to Jump Card. Jumpcard is the segment where we rank everything we read this week. We only had 18 chapters this week, because like we said, no One Piece this week, and Samurai 8 is gone forever. So what do you have at number 18, Kevin? So I have a Gravity Boys down at 18. I just, I don't care about any of this. That is pretty fair. I judge the Gravity Boys less harshly this week, just because it was the only comedy chapter i laughed at this week because like i said i thought it was a pretty bad shonen jump and that included the stuff i don't normally like being worse than normal i feel okay i have mitama at the bottom because it's a bunch of like fan submission characters and i just none of the jokes worked for me yeah i like the premise but that's why i went a bit higher for me was i was like well, i can't like i kind of like that it's hey here's a bunch of fan submitted spirits like that's kind of neat, even though I didn't really enjoy it. To me, it was better than a Gravity Boys, but not by much. 
Yeah, and I have Mashal at number 17, because I just found it wholly unfunny. And it just seemed like it was repeating some jokes from last week that worked really well then, but weren't funny the second time. That's fair. It's my number 16, and the the only thing that really made me laugh was, so the, the first time he's like, yeah, you just make the potion like this, and Mashal makes a cream puff. And he's like, no, 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 okay, here, let me show you how to do it. And then he goes through it again, and Mashal still makes a cream puff. And the guy's just like, I, I was watching you do it. How did you make it into a cream puff? Yeah, that was that was not bad, I will admit. I have a Gravity Boys at 16, because like I said, I thought some of the jokes landed this week. Still not about enough to put it above any of the Shonen stuff, but I yeah. put it at the top of the comedy block. What do you have at 15? I have Zipman down at 15. I just... Same. I want to like this chapter of Zipman. It's got a lot of beats I love, but this chapter has been such a mess. Like, this is the ending that this arc, I think, has to have in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because like we talked about last week, otherwise you just reset the square one and it doesn't make any sense or make any forward progress. It's just all the normal problems Zipman has. Yeah. So that's really why it's down there and it just kind of sucks. So I have Haikyuu at number 14. There's some, like, interesting stuff, but I kind of got lost a bit on the momentum and what's going, like, what's going on. Not totally. Like, I did get, understand the flow, but at first I was kind of like, wait, weren't the Black Jackals, like, utterly dominating? And now suddenly they're losing like crazy? I'm confused. Yeah, I put Haikyuu quite a bit higher this week. I think just because I like the momentum, because nothing you said, like, comes off as false to me. But I guess I like the momentum, and like I said, a lot of stuff I just didn't think had a good showing this week. I have That's Black fair. Clover at 14, okay, because it's just a Black Clover fight scene, and I, like there are bits of it I like, but like it's all the problems I have with Black Clover fight scenes. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. So I have Chainsaw Man down at 13, and there's some kind of cool stuff going on here, but I'm still just, I'm like super confused. I like the the plotline of what happened last week, I was like, I sort of understand what's going on, but it's still very odd. I put it quite a bit higher. I think just because they talk about the darkness demon and like the primal fears. And again, that's that last Sayuki stuff. I really, really liked. Yeah. And like the idea of like the demons are as, uh, or I guess devils are as scary as people are fear them. So like the gun devil is incredibly scary, but the darkness demon is like, or devil is elemental. Yeah. It's never died. I love that idea. I do agree with you. It was super hard to tell what was going on, but I love that concept enough to put it higher. I have Dr. Stone at 13. Cause like okay. I said, I just thought it was nothing. It was fluff, but it was like tasteless cotton candy. I feel like. Okay. And if you thought it was sweet, then I could see you putting it higher, but it just did nothing for me. A little bit higher. So I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 12. Me too. It, it's still kind of cool, but nothing amazing. Yeah, like, it just seemed like some shonen stuff was happening and nothing I really liked or disliked. Like, I don't super love Jujutsu Kaisen. I have trouble getting into it. We've gone over that a number of times. Yep. So I thought it went above Dr. Stone, which was nothing, but it didn't go crazy high. What do you have at 11? I have Undead and Unluck at number 11. It's just, I feel like not a whole lot happens in this chapter. That's fair. Yeah, I, part of why I thought it was such a mess turning jump is how high that went when I kind of agree with you, but at least it was setting up the next story. Yeah. I have Hell's Paradise at 11. And I'm hard-pressed to tell you why I put it so low, but I guess just none of the stakes felt as exciting this week as they have the last couple. Okay. I'll talk about more about it when, when you put it, it to it. I had Dr. Stone at number 10. 
I just I found some of the drinks to be kind of interesting. Like I was probably missing some of the cultural relevance of a lot of them, but I at least like the thing with Senku's like latte, where it's like, why didn't you just mix them together? And she's like, well, if you do mix them together perfectly, then it makes a latte. But kind of like you have to do it, kind of thing, which was kind of just a cool thing for Senku's character. Yeah, I liked Suki's drink with the cucumber, but that was about it. Yeah. Where are we, 10? I have Mission Yozakura Family at 10. The okay. jokes just didn't land for me at all. I liked the concept. I liked the idea. It just, like I said, it just didn't land. Except for the very end. I did think that was pretty funny. Yep. And it is mostly a comedy chapter again. Although it's got some... It's a comedy chapter with a lot of fighting, I guess. Yes. But the fighting is not serious. Yep. So I have Black Clover at number 9. Even though I had reservations about Yami showing up and saving the day, I still really like Yami, so... That was the last chapter where he showed up, but now in this chapter, I'm like, yeah, it's Yami kicking ass. So I had fun <laughs> with it, because I do not have the problem that you do with Black Clover fight scenes. I have Haikyuu at 9. Like I said, I just kind of got swept into the momentum, and that's where I felt it went. I got you. I have Guarding the Witch at number 8. It's good. It's still kind of cliched, but it's still a fun chapter. I have Chainsaw Man at 8, and I talked about why when you brought it up. Yep. Just like the Darkness Devil, that really works for me. I have Hell's Paradise at number seven. I really liked in Hell's Paradise the Gabimara the Hollow, the new one, who was fighting, being like, oh, well, there's no way I can win this guy in a straight up fight, but all I have to do is figure out what your love is and then take that away from you, and then I win. Like, I just, I liked that aspect of it, where he even admits it to the dude who's like, yeah, there's literally no way I could beat you in a straight up fight, but I'm a ninja. That's not how we do things. Yeah, I like that in concept. It just didn't really work for me. Yeah. I have Undead Unluck at number seven. It was just set up, but like I said, I didn't super care for anything in Shonen Jump this week, so that's kind of where it ended up. I got you. I got Mission Yozakura Family at number six. I I love the final panel of Cool Guys Don't Look at Explosions. I guess it's not the yeah, final Yeah, that was panel. super good. And I love like, the news bit where it's like, the entire mall sunk a level for some reason today. Yep. And I just kind of liked the, like, I liked the idea of the Oh yeah, we just go to this mall, and that's where like Tamio's or Tayo's like, I've been going here since I was a little kid. What do you mean all the super spies come here? Yeah, and like I said, some of it was good, but I guess it what seemed like it was the same joke a whole bunch of times. No, that's fair. I've Garden of the Witch at six because okay. it was just shonen stuff, but it was shonen stuff, and like I said, in a pretty uh, chapter of Jump, this is what I want. This is where I expect my mid card to be. It just ended up being quite a bit higher. I guess this is the quality I expect from my mid-card, but most stuff was not making up to that. I got you. So I have My Hero at number five. I do as well. Yeah, it it was good. I I liked it, even though it did have a couple of problems, but yeah, I, I was, it was really, really conflicted cool. on where to put it, because like emotionally, I think it was the hardest-hitting chapter in the book, but also yeah. from a technical standpoint, it seemed like kind of a mess. So I really waffled on where to put it, but this is where it ended up. Gotcha. What do you have at four? I have The Promised Neverland at number four. Same for me. I liked it. It, Like I said, it, I felt like it went above like the technical problems of My Hero, even though it didn't have the emotional stab. Yeah, it still had some It still had some cool stuff. I liked the backstory of Peter Retiri, especially with the kind of like, wait, like, I'm the good guy, right? Like, I, you know, yes, I've had to do a bunch of horrible things, but that's to save the world, right? And I just loved the conflict of like, it was the villain being like, because no one's the villain of their own story, but it was him realizing, 
oh god, I am the bad guy. I liked it, but it wasn't up to the level of Demon Slayer when it does that. And no. like it always seems like kind of a waste to me to do that with a character who's dying. Because like you now have more insight on them. It's more interesting if they go on, which this character might, like we discussed. It's always amazing to me how well Demon Slayer handles it when I have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Demon Slayer always makes it more of a tragedy, I guess. Not to say this isn't tragic, but yeah. it didn't land in quite the same way. It still was good enough to hit number four. Yep. What do you have at number three? So I have Act Age at number three. I really enjoyed Act Age. Like I said, I thought it was... I liked the cute, funny... All of them met the thing together, and the one girl being like, oh god, we really need to make sure that tensions don't explode. And so she just keeps being like, yeah, just keep doing that for two more hours. Dude, that, that's the bit that really didn't land for me in Act Age, actually. Okay. Although, ironically, I put it higher. I have We Never Learn at number three. Okay. Which I liked, but like I said about it, i not liking this art quite as much. It's still really good, though. Yep. So I have Demon Slayer at number two. It's just that I, I do really like that bittersweet moment of uh, Denoma of like, all right, so the Rock Hashiras died, but he had reconciliation with his family, or maybe he was like worked at an orphanage or something like that, because it, it felt like they were his family, but not related to him. Yeah. And then the Snake Hashira and the Love Hashira kind of reconciling at the end there. So like, I just, I liked all those moments. They were just extremely bittersweet. So, for me, my number one took it. Yeah, I'll, I have Act Agent number two. Really, just because I love the Chi-O-K uh, rivalry. Yeah. Which no, is on full display good. at the end. So, yeah, have we never learned it number one, then? Yes. I I just really love the game that Ogata challenges Naruki to, where she was like, "I'm gonna, we're going to play a game to prove to you that destiny is real, and this stupid fireworks thing is in actuality and i win if you i win if you love me and i just really i really like that yeah that's the best aspect of the chapter for sure i have demon slayer at number one and the way i do my ranking i do them as i read it and i just kept waiting for something to beat demon slayer because i didn't think it was an amazing chapter like we discussed but nothing did except maybe my hero but like i said it had the problems it did and i don't really have anything to say about why it was good that we haven't talked about already not like it was a bad Demon Slayer chapter or anything. Yep. All right. That does it for Jump Card. We will be talking about Flame of Vrekka, Volume 3, after the break. So we read volume three of Flame of Rekka this week. What did you think of it, Kevin? So I just want to ask the question. Did your volume have a duplicate page in it? I don't remember which chapter it was in. It was when the three of them are meeting with Rekka's mom. In my digital copy, there was a panel or there was a page that showed up three pages later that seemed completely out of order. And it was like, it made sense the second time it showed up, but the first time it showed up, it was extremely confusing. No, I did have a page that refused to load, but it was very early on. So was this one. Like I said, it was when their first meeting with Rekka's mom, 
this was before even that. It was like when they're first meeting, before Wreck is like, I have no idea where to find them. Okay. Yeah. So I used the Google Play digital version, and it it just had that one page that was just different. And I was like, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then I flip, you know, I kept reading. I made it to the place where the page actually showed up. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes a what? Wait, I, I read this page already and went back and was like, yeah, these are the exact same page. Weird. That is weird. I read the Comixology version. Usually I read a physical version, but Amazon yeah. refused to deliver it. So I had to read it to get this in on time. So I thought it had even stronger than usual Yu Yu Hakusho vibes. I don't know how much of a Yu Yu Hakusho fan I've you are. I've seen all of the anime twice, but I have not read it. Yeah, except yeah. for the first volume that we did. I'm more familiar with the anime than the manga, and it seemed to have stronger anime vibes anyway, or specifically the shonen battle vibes, which is what the anime super emphasized. The stuff that's not, is in some cases by coincidence, what ended up being cut. But this feels super like the, what I consider the first real shonen arc of Yu Yu Hakusho. A lot of people would consider it the third, and they would be right. But the, like, uh, demon castle that they have to go through, it had super similar vibes. Now that you point that out, I definitely get that. I just don't, for whatever reason, it just didn't click until you said something. So, last time, uh, Yanagi was kidnapped. So, Rekka wants to go save her. Of course, Fuko and Domon, the uh, wind girl and the big guy, yes, agree to go help him. They go to, what's her name? Rekka's mom. Or I know I wrote it down. Kagihoshi, who they do not know is Rekka's mom. Yes. But they go to her to ask hey, can you tell us where she is? And she's like, well, I have this vision stone. That's how I was finding you. But if you go there, I die, so I won't tell you. And they're like, please. And she's like, okay. Which was a little bit weak to me. That's probably the weakest part of the volume, in my opinion. I think it was kind of the determination that he showed. Like, I, it wasn't just the her him being like, please. He's like, but I have to. And so she kind of, I mean, because she is his mom. So she kind of just like, all right, fine. Just promise you'll make it back. He's like, yep, sure. It just seemed, I, I get the beat, it just seemed weak to me. I think because we haven't talked much about the art of Flame of Rekka, because I don't think it's bad, but I don't know like how to talk about it. That doesn't sound like a backhanded compliment. But I guess it's a lot more shoujo than a typical shonen manga. Yeah. A lot of the fight scenes, I think, are less impactful than they could th- be because of that. They're not bad. But I think also, it like the art didn't scream determination to me. Yeah, that's fair. But anyway, they go, and there's a pretty simple trap at the beginning with a motion sensor laser basically that fuko is able to dodge while they like the guys destroy it and then so kure who is i do specifically like the way they destroy it is so reka uses a kusarigama to like wrap around the statue and then he just throws it at domon who just stands there and like headbutts it into oblivion i definitely like that because he was like oh i don't have to move at all and he just kind of like stands there and lets it break against him which I thought was cool. Yeah. But then Kure, who is the bad guy in charge of the mansion, who is a time-traveling ninja with a politician dad, question mark? It's very confusing, because at first he talks about how, so my dad is a politician or an extremely influential business person who is like, hey, you know what? I want to become immortal so that I can keep having sex with women, keep making money, and keep manipulating people forever. And so that's why they kidnap Yanagi, uh, because it's like, oh, well, 
she has the ability to heal people, so that's probably the key to immortality. And he, like, happened to catch it in the Hall of Mirrors security footage, and the police didn't know what was going on. He was like, well, thanks to a healthy donation, I was able to get that footage. Yeah, well, and Kure's like, I've always done my dad's dirty work, so that's why I, I went and I gathered all these ninja relics, and that's why I kidnapped your teacher, because he was poking into them, too. Yep, and then we just happened to find her as well, and he was like, ah, oh, it's double lucky. And yeah, and then it's like, yeah, but I'm actually 400-year-old ninja. I'm like, so wait, how can that guy be your dad? Are, are you doing a weird reincarnation time travel thing where, like, you're not actually that dude, you're just his soul? So he is your dad, but also not your dad? That would make sense, especially given his later confrontation with Rekka. I wonder if it's a similar thing to what I assume Rekka's deal is. It might be that, because we've seen Rekka's birth. But I kind of thought that Rekka's mom did time travel and then Rekka was born. And I'm wondering if something similar happened with this guy. Totally possible, because... But your theory makes sense. It's just, it's weird because he keeps calling him his dad. So I'm wondering, is was yes. he just, like, did he time travel as a small child and this was Didn't the guy who picked him up? Or Yeah, although it doesn't seem like a guy who would do that. He does seem like the dude who would absolutely like pick up on this weird thing and call him his son and then not and then treat him like the shit that he has been treating him like hey you're my son do what i sure. want like that absolutely seems sure. like the oh yeah you can be a tool for me that's fine anyway he's got four talisman wielders and so he sends them against Rekka and his friends i actually quite liked the first one yeah the, the which doll. is yeah a, yeah she has it's a room full of mannequins and it's a person with doll powers she uh makes the three of them, her marionettes, and then has her little doll try to stab Fuko to death, but she has wind powers, so she cuts the strings. Yep. But... And then it turns out that the little doll girl is the real one. Yeah, and she's been manipulating the one that looks more human-like, and I did really like that, where it was like, so you made the doll superhuman-like, and you super doll-like, so that people would attack the human-like doll, and be like because she was like i've been you know hitting her with a bunch of wind blades why isn't she bleeding at all and i was like well because she doesn't have any blood like i i did really like that yeah i did too and i like that they're like well we can't kill a little girl so they convince her to join them yeah i also like when fuka's like don't worry i'll take this one on alone and uh Rekka and domo are like well i mean we can't hit girls anyway so this is probably fine I didn't super care for that particular bit, but again, it gave me real strong Demon Castle vibes, because it's going to be four one-on-one fights. Yes. I did like how she joins them, though, because that was something pretty different from the Yu Yu Hakusho version. Yes. And that they're just giving her piggyback rights through this evil castle. The second one is a big Frankenstein Earth guy, and we find out that Domon was offered a super strength ring, basically, by Rekka's mom. So, specifically, he the serial killer like the giant serial killer goliath guy was given the stone talisman which allows him to like form rock armor which makes him extremely durable and they're great weapons but domon has been given the earth ring which gives him the super strength but his Rekka's mom tricked him and somehow swapped his nose ring for the earth ring well he's like no i don't need this and so she's like yes you do and like and then somehow tricked him ninja tricks kevin yes ninja tricks explanation point I was like, well, I mean, it would make a lot. It would have made a lot more sense if he was wearing it as a finger ring and had been wearing a ring. Yeah. But it's like it's his nose ring. I was like, that. I mean, that's just impressive, honestly. Like you literally swapped the ring in his nose without him noticing. Well, I am watching JoJo's right now, and nose rings are relevant there too, and weird. So maybe the Japanese just have weird nose rings. 
Well, like he had a like he did have a nose ring. I was just I'm saying it's impressive that she managed it, it to is. swap the nose ring. But ninja tricks. Yes. Gundam Build Fighters, there's a great bit where the line is just ninjutsu, but the subtitles for whatever reason translated as ninja tricks exclamation <laughs> mark. And I just love nice. that for some reason. So anyway, the uh third fight is a kid with a sword who was nice to Yanagi being captive. He's about to beat them all up. Again, similar to the Demon Castle, he just drops a giant stone portcullis on them. Yep. But the water sword dude shows up to fight him. Because it's very Yu Hakusho. Yes. Also, there's a lot more nudity in this manga than I was expecting there to be. Yeah, it's mostly like kind of purity nudity, right? But there's yes. a lot of Yunagi naked. Most of it is like people not even imagining her, but thinking of her and it's showing her that way because of that Japanese purity thing. Yes. But yes, that also stood out to me. Fuko got disrobed in their fight. Did you? I don't remember that. I, I can only believe you, but I feel like I would remember that. No, I definitely remember that because Rekka basically like explodes every like everything off of her. And then she gets super pissed at both of them because they saw. But there was also the thing with the little kid that wields the weird Naganata sword thingy where he th- he walked into on her naked and makes yeah. a comment about her small breasts that's in poor taste yes well and yonagi also think of like Rekka hasn't even seen them yet <laughs> i don't remember that but that's pretty good that was a little like almost uh, it wasn't an editor's note thing but it was like not in a speech bubble it was like off on the side gotcha yeah i'll agree with you there so the Volume basically ends with the bad guy giving them a bunch of exposition while Water Sword guys, whose name is the only one I didn't write down in my notes, is still fighting. Yeah, he was from Volume 2. Yeah, I know. I know who he is. I just didn't write his name down. Yeah. But their fight is still going, is what I meant, when the other three show up with uh, Kure. And he's like, let me give you a bunch of exposition. Now tell me who you are, Rekka. And he's like, well, I have to. He just gave a bunch of exposition. And I actually like that one. Yeah, I did like that, because Fuka and Domon are like, well, we don't have to tell you shit, and Rekka's like, well, I mean, he just exposited at us, it's only fair that we do the same back. Yeah, and then he's like, cool exposition, now you go in a hole, because he has a trapdoor, which seems like the doll girl should have warned them about, but whatever, I guess. Possibly. Maybe she doesn't know. Rekka manages to hang on, but then purposely falls to help his friends, and that's yep. the cliffhanger the volume ends on. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to mention, Kevin? I don't know if this was in your version, but I really liked the final page on my version was oh, with a letter the fan from comic? the editor. Oh, yes. Actually, I really like that, too. Yes, I read that. Yeah. Yeah, so it was the letter to the from the editor. To be specific, because I was no, wanted to know, it's the English editor. It's not the original editor. Yes. Yes, it is the English editor. Uh, and he was like, Fuka is actually my favorite character in Flame of Rekka. Like, she's just... And he makes the comparison to Wonder Woman and how she's Fuka is much more realistic of a Wonder Woman rather than the traditional Wonder Woman who's like not faultless, but definitely godlike. Well, she's demigodlike, but <laughs> specifically, specifically, I just I did really like where that letter of him being like, yeah, Fuka is actually my favorite character. So, you know. I'm glad, like, I know the whole story is about Flame of Rekka, but I'm glad that she's a part of it, because she's the main reason that I really like this manga. I actually have similar feelings to that, too. I don't know if I would say she's my favorite character. I guess I would, 
She's the character I'm most interested in. I wish she kind of got more, but I did like that she got her own fight here, and I assume she's going to get more. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, like I said, it's got real strong Yu Yu Hakusho vibes, which I don't want to say takes away from it necessarily, but like it's impossible for me not to make that comparison. And Yu Yu Hakusho is such like a fundamental piece of fiction for me. Yep. That it's hard not to say, oh, but this isn't quite as good as that. Even if I do like the cast. I mean, Fuko's an upgrade to EA. Always replace EA with a girl is what Bleach taught us. Yes. But I don't know that I like Domon more than Kuwabara. And I definitely don't like Rekka as much as Yusuke, as you will see on personality power level. Or uh, Water Swordsman as much as Karama. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I kind of, in my head, since I don't, want to try and compare like i i realize they're comparable but i don't want to so i can kind of just ignore the fact that yu yu Hakusho exists while i'm reading this um, as and, weird as that is and like yu yu Hakusho is kind of a selling point that's part of why i wanted to read it i just hope it diverges relatively soon i'm hoping it will too but i mean like it probably does since it it got a completely full run 33 volumes i wonder how many volumes you hockey shows it might not be that many yeah so i'm i'm guessing it like because it does have some some other stuff going in you hockey show is only 15 volumes or i'm sorry 19 19 volumes but yeah nuts almost only half as long yeah so it'll probably diverge and like i said i'm still liking it so i'm glad that we are reading it yeah me too i'm looking forward to the next volume so I think all that's left is personality power level, right? Yep. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the very top is everybody's favorite ninja, Uzumaki Naruto. At the very bottom is that guy who can't even be a ninja, the guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And dead center is Akira Hattori, the editor from Bakuman. So I think we have to put Fuko on the list this week after we talked about her like that. Totally fair. Do we think she's better than Rekka? I'm kind of torn on that, to be honest. I definitely like reading about her more, and I want to see her get in more fights, but I don't know if she has quite the development. And her relationship with Domon is super weird to me, because it seems super obvious yes. she had a crush on Rekka early on, and it's not like she's settling, because they're not in a relationship, but it's this super weird shift. A little bit, but I think it's kind of... Like, I think it's kind of the realistic thing of, it's not that she's settling for Domon, she's just like, well, Rekka's already got somebody, and then she kind of realizes, oh, well, hey, Domon's here, and he's actually, like, a nice guy and likes me. So it's not this, like, oh, I guess I'll go with my second pick. It's kind of like, I only had one pick, and then realized there were other people. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can, like, backsplaining it that way sounds fine to me. It's just that I don't think it's been very well portrayed, I guess. That's fair. But again, they're also not in a relationship, so like True. they are kind of working towards it. True. Uh, I mean, where do you think he, she uh, she goes compared to Rek? I will trust your judgment. Part of me wants to agree with the editor in that she's actually more interesting. She's my but... favorite. I don't know if I think she's better, but not, not to yes. interrupt you. Are. And like I said, it's a moving list. I don't think Rekka or Yanagi move this. No. Who's right below Rekka? Takagi from Bakuman, the artist. I think I like her more than him. So maybe just under Rekka? 
Okay, we can do that. I would have argued for Takagi above her, honestly, but I think I will trust your judgment. I mean, that's that's fair if you want to do that. I'm right below him is Claire from Claymore, and I definitely think I would put Fuku above Claire. So I'm fine putting her that's above fine. Takagi too. I mean, we'll be reading Bakuman soon, so as they both develop, we can yeah. talk about where they go. So I will yeah. trust your judgment for now. So Fuka Kurosawa will go at number 18, above Akito Takagi, and below Reka Hanabishi. All right, Jeremy, so what are we going to be reading next week? So you picked Slice of Life for our theme for the month, since we are stuck yes. in the virus times and don't have lives anymore. Yes. And both of us are like, eh, I think this is Slice of Life. I want to read it, so that's what's important, right? So next week, we are going to read Azamangadayo. Yeah, mine is also, like, it's technically categorized as Slice of Life on multiple different platforms, so. I typed in Slice of Life manga, and it was a result. Yep. So I'm taking it. It's the first, like, four-panel gag manga we've read for this, so it'll be different in that regard. So tune in next week when we read that. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can catch our other podcasts. If you're bored during the outbreak and you haven't given it a listen, It's a Gundam is fantastic. And Last Time on Video Games has a ton of content for you to listen to www.patreon.com slash last podcast is our last is our Patreon page. If you would like to help support the show, help it come out each and every week, even during these troubling times. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. All right. We will catch you guys next week. Have a good one.